My name is Becky Freeman and I am the Associate Editor for New Media for the journal Tobacco Control. And in today's podcast, we're going to be speaking to Martine Stead, who is the Deputy Director of the Institute for Social Marketing within the Faculty of Health Sciences and Sport at the University of Stirling. And she's written a really interesting paper with her colleagues on how tobacco companies use retailer incentives even after banning on point-of-sale displays. And this is a study that was conducted in Scotland. And I was particularly interested in this study because in Australia, where I'm based, we've had display bans in place for quite some time. We have plain packaging of tobacco products. And people seem to have this notion that there's no more promotion of products, that somehow all that advertising of promotion is just all gone now. But of course, we know that relationship between the manufacturers and the retailers is crucial. So studies like this that expose how that uh, marketing relationship is still alive and well are really helpful for countries that, you know, maybe the public isn't, you know, really convinced there's anything to worry about anymore. So please welcome Martine. Hello, how are you? Hi, Becky. I'm very well. Thank you very much. Oh, good. Well, thank you for meeting with us today. So uh, maybe just to get started, tell us about, you know, why you wanted to do this study. What, what were you hoping? What were your research questions? We are conducting a larger study uh, called the Display Study, which is evaluating the impact of the legislation prohibiting the point of sale displays in tobacco products in Scotland. And as part of that larger study, we've been conducting annual interviews with a cohort of 24 retailers. These are largely small independent convenience stores, news agents, very typical of where most people in Scotland buy their tobacco. And in this part of the study, we've been examining the implementation and impact of the point of sale ban from the point of view of the retailers. So at each wave of interviews, retailers have told us about the information and help they've been receiving from the tobacco company and from their reps in preparing for the point of sale display ban. And we became quite interested in their relationship with these reps, the way they talked about it, and particularly the sorts of rewards and incentives that the reps um, were offering them. And we wondered whether um, once the point of sale ban came in, whether these kind of relationships would continue and particularly whether reps would carry on offering rewards and incentives after the display ban had come in because obviously the products are now covered up. Mm. So we wondered if the practice of offering rewards and incentives would still continue. Yeah, I know. And I think a lot of people wrongly, it would appear, assume that 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 relationship just ceases now. Somehow these are the products are just kept in a box under the cupboard and there's no more sort of marketing or promotion relationship. Now, before we get into sort of what you found in these interviews, how easy was it for you to recruit retailers to be involved in this study? Uh, were they quite willing or was there some hesitation on their part? We were going to small retailers, small independent store retailers, um, and they can make their own decisions about taking part in research. It's a bit harder to recruit retailers who are part of big multiples because they have to refer up to head office. Um, We recruited them at the start of the study, so that was way back in 2013. Um, It wasn't completely easy recruiting them but we found enough that were willing to talk to us um they receive a small payment to compensate them for their time mm-hmm. taking part in the interview and we have been speaking to them now for well we've just actually completed our fifth year 
Um, but when we did the interviews, which this paper is based on, they were based on the third and fourth year of the study. So by that time, we'd built up a reasonably good relationship with them. And a lot of them were quite open with us about um, their practices around selling tobacco and their relationship with tobacco company representatives. Oh, that's great. So, that's how you were able to get like you say, that genuine relationship where you can, you know, really learn and, and, and get stuff that can help tobacco control. Okay. So that's, you're, that's right. Mm. And we were conducting the interviews in stores as well. So we could actually see how their oh, gantries yeah. were laid out and how they interacted with customers and so on, which was very, very useful. Hmm. Okay. So you um, you've recruited this uh, group of retailers that you know representative mostly of independent stores you've done these interviews and these were taking place as you said after the display ban came in place so tell us what what were you asking them and and what did you find okay so in this paper we focused on the parts of the conversations where they talked about their relationship with the reps and the rewards and incentives that were still being and we found that um Most of the retailers were participating to some extent in reward schemes or were receiving some kind of help from tobacco companies. So firstly, most of them had been given help to make their gantries compliant with the new legislation. So the tobacco company reps had arranged for covers to be fitted to their gantries. Um, And we thought this could be seen as a form of reward or incentive because otherwise the retailer had to bear the costs themselves of doing that. So that was that was one area. Secondly, uh, several of them talked about being given incentives for maintaining av- availability of a company's brands. Um, so several were members of partnership or loyalty schemes, whereby they were awarded points or vouchers, which could be redeemed for cash or gifts. And they would be given points or cash through these schemes for having a company's brands in stock. For example, one talked about being given two or three hundred pounds a year simply mm. for having brands in stock. Well, that's not and an insignificant was, amount of money, is it? That's that, That's right, yeah. yes. And there was some comment that um, whereas in the past they'd had to work quite hard to qualify for these lev- this level of rewards, um, they felt that it was slightly easier to get the rewards now. Hmm. So next, um, they described being offered rewards for having brands positioned in a particular way on the gantry. And this was interesting because obviously the gantries are covered up. Um, so you would think there wouldn't be much advantage in having the gantry array, the sort of planograms we got before the display ban. Um, but we still found that companies were offering rewards for uh, reps, uh, for retailers having solid blocks of their brands on the gantry, such as the top three shelves or the top six shelves, all from the same company. Even when they're covered up, that's important. <laughs> I just find that amazing. Yeah, even when they even when they're covered up, and we asked them why they thought that was mm. happening, and some of them were not sure. Uh, others thought that perhaps the aim was to ensure that when the gantry flaps were opened, that a customer would only see that company's brands behind the flaps. Uh, yes. So even in that even in that momentary, uh, even in that moment when the gantry is is opened up. They only see that one company's brands and they don't see their rival brands. Sure. Mm-hmm. They also talked about being rewarded for sales. So they talked about having to retain barcodes from wrappers of cartons, which they'd purchased at the wholesalers, and hand them on to the rep as proof of sales. And one, for example, described having made £120 in the previous three months. 
um, by demonstrating that they'd sold a certain number of a company's brands. They also talked about being given incentives for trialing new stock. And this was interesting because obviously when you've got a ban on open displays, customers can no longer see new products on the gantry. Mm -hmm. So it raises the question, how are customers going to find out that there's a new product on the market? Mm. So several described being given, uh, being offered cash or points for having new products in stock. Uh, and this leads on to a final area where they, they described being offered rewards and incentives, which was particularly interesting, which was for participating in specific promotions. So several described taking part in a promotion which Philip Morris had run in 2016 for Chesterfield, which is one of their value brands. <clears throat> and in this promotion, the rep and the retailer would agree a base rate of Chesterfield sales, and then the retailer would be rewarded um, for each pack they sold above that base rate. And they were rewarded with one pound per pack sold. Mm. In addition to that, um, the reps um, were offering them financial incentives to actually draw customers' attention to Chesterfield by making verbal recommendations. So they were told that a mystery shopper would visit them and ask for a rival brand in the same value category. And if the retailer or their staff recommended Chesterfield instead, mm -hmm. then they would be given £100. Oh, wow. So big incentive so, to do that with every customer in hopes that it is this mystery shopper. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So they were told they would be told that over the next three or four weeks the mystery shopper would come in at some point and if they made the correct recommendation, then they would get a hundred pounds. And one actually said, you know, we're pushing the product off our shelves for the next three or four weeks because we don't know when the mystery shopper will come in. Mm -hmm. And they did, they did talk about increasing their sales of Chesterfield during that period. So it's obvious that it worked yes. <laughs> as an incentive. Excellent. Oh, that's so fascinating to me. Um, and is this all within the sort of the, the legal um, tobacco advertising laws that are in place in Scotland? Or is it pushing the limits or is this completely outside of what's normally regulated? Well, to my knowledge, the display ban legislation doesn't say anything about um, verbal recommendations um, or about contact with reps. The display legislation is all about the physical properties of the gantry and um, not holding the gantry covers open more than the absolute minimum amount of time when they're serving customers or restocking the gantry and the size of the flaps and so on. Mm -hmm. But to my knowledge, there's nothing in there about um, whether retailers can make these kind of recommendations to customers. And interestingly, when we um, interviewed them um, immediately before and immediately after the ban first came into force, there was a feeling that they weren't really allowed to have these kind of conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, they were saying things like, oh, well, we're not allowed to say anything to customers. We can only answer questions or we can, we can only give them a product if they ask for that product specifically. We can't recommend anything mm. ourselves. But by the second time we interviewed them, which was around 15 months after the display ban had come into force, it was okay to have these kind of conversations. Oh, so the trade so reps had done reps. some education, had they? <laughs> well, we don't know, but possibly mm. they'd become more confident about it mm. or they felt that they didn't need to be quite so strict about it. So, 
Yeah, well, there's very few countries that have addressed this business to business or retailer marketing and have really only focused on preventing, you know, direct to consumer advertising in any kind of way. There is, I think it's, is it Quebec that is an exception to this that has, you know, tried to put some limits on uh, incentives to retailers? Yes, a ban on payments to retailers will come into force in Quebec from November this year. And is that something that you think that Scotland should, Scotland and other countries should follow? Well, it's certainly worth considering if 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 it's felt that these kind of communications and these kind of incentive schemes are a problem. Yes, that would be one possible measure. And is there anything else that your evidence suggests would be a good approach to this situation? Well, it was interesting that. Um, what our study showed was that even when you've got covered gantries, the tobacco companies still see opportunities to create incidental exposure when mm. the gantry covers are opened up. Um, that's why they're wanting all their brands to be in a particular block on the gantry so that when the covers are opened up, a customer only sees their brands. And if you look at the trade press, they do talk about that as an exposure, even in a dark market. So another option would be to put the gantries completely out of sight. Yes. You're completely under the counter. And in the from the retailer's point of view, that would also free up that premium space just behind the counter, which perhaps they could use for other products. Oh, and certainly I've been in other countries where that's that's happened, that other companies have stepped in and realized just how prime that retail spot is. I think um, mobile phone companies in particular I remember seeing taking over that space. Um, do you think plain packaging would also assist with this approach? Scotland's going to have plain packaging, isn't that right? We have it now, yes. Oh, you do? Oh, in. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there was a 12-month sell-through period, um, and that came to an end on the 18th of May. So from now, um, all the products should be plain in shops. Um, it'd be interesting to see how the practice of retailer incentives pans out now that we've got plain packaging. I mean, you might expect that these kind of verbal recommendation strategies would become even more important mm. now you've got plain packaging. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, well, I know here in Australia, I was monitoring one the major manufacturer here, and they've just recruited for seven new trade marketing representatives. And uh, so obviously, we, we've had plain packaging in place since 2012 and display bans since well before that. So, yeah, it doesn't seem like they've just sort of shrugged and given up. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, this is really fascinating. Thanks so much for talking to us. Is there anything we've missed that you would really like to add? Uh, no, that's fine, Becky, from my oh, point of view. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Martine, for your time. And we wish you luck with your continuing study. I assume the display project is ongoing and perhaps we'll have some questions to see how, or some answers rather, on how plain packaging affects the retail relationships in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Becky. <laughs>